0: Welcome to Novel Thoughts, a weekly book chat podcast hosted by me, Sapphire Bates.
1: Me, Joseph Dodd
0: And me, Michelle Thomas. Three book lovers from Ramsgate. This is the podcast for the big readers and the book lovers. Once a month, we deep dive on one particular book, maybe an old favourite or something new and exciting, and the three of us will read and discuss it. The rest of the time, we are spoiler free, covering everything from new releases, old gems you might have missed, long lists, short lists the spotlights as well as the occasional interview we'll also chat about what culture we've consumed that week and take questions from you our lovely listeners guys it's 2024 hello
1: 2024
0: happy
2: new year Whoop! where'd <laughs> you even go from a whoop <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: 24 karat I gold here i'm just having my own disco Uh-oh. in the corner how is everyone
2: i'm flipping well thank you
1: good yes Staff, how are you?
0: I'm very good. I love I love the New Year energy, you know? I love that feeling of, like, leave the old behind, anything's possible. Absolutely. How could I spoil this year?
1: <laughs> it's yet okay, to be don't, seen. Don't,
2: don't, don't say this, because this is one of the things that I think pretty much since 2016, every year people have gone, last year sucked, this year can't be as bad, and then something else comes along. So it's like, that's just not... not not jinx it. Mm, yeah, but I'm just a realist. I just live,
0: but not that the years get written off. I just very much, my life approach is some days are going to be rubbish. Some days are going to be really good. I'm going to aim for slightly more really good's where possible or at least fully enjoy the ones that come along. You know, that's my that's my vibe. I
1: like that attitude and I must say I'm an optimist. So every year what? has to be better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an optimist. Are you sure? Yes. Last okay. time I checked. Family and friends. <laughs> okay, <I>, risery <laughs> laughter. But should we?
0: Yeah. So, what have you guys? What Thanks. have you guys been reading since? You know, we've had a little, little bit of a break over the Christmas period. I've been on holiday,
2: not in a camper van, but it was. Um, I had a lovely, lovely holiday. So I didn't actually read very much because I was busy being on holiday. Fair. But what I have read, I read. On your recommendation, actually, Saf, The Maid by Nita Prowse. And what did you think? It was okay. Something about it irked me right at the beginning. And I think mm. because this thing irked me, I then even though she then kind of explained it, it has irked me, so I took against it a little bit. Is it possible to tell us what irked you without yes, spoilers? Yes, it is, because it's really not that important. This woman is a maid who <laughs> 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 This woman is a maid who works in a Five star plus hotel, and mm. she says about how much she enjoys going in the front door, and I'm like, you wouldn't. They would have a service entrance.
0: Yeah, I guess staff wouldn't be in and out. Yeah. of the they fancy wouldn't be pants. walking
2: through the lobby. That just wouldn't happen. And even though they explained that later, it was like, have you obviously haven't done any research into how hotels work? Still, um, <laughs> still holding it against Hosh. them. Very <laughs> So um, yeah, but I mean, it, it was I read it on the plane coming home, so it was a good light plane read, okay, like, that kind of thing. And then I've also read "Better Left Unsaid" by Tufayel Ahmed, which was a, a Gay Times or Pink News, can't remember one of the other. Um, best LGBTQ books of the last year. Tell me a bit about it because I've not heard of it. It is about a family Um, they're Muslims they live in London except the daughter has gone moved to New York and it's about two brothers one sister their their parents are ageing they're struggling to kind of come to terms with their dual identities as Muslims and modern British people if you know what I mean so it's like on the one hand they've got this loyalty to Mm. traditions and the way things were done but on the other hand they also want to be their own people and it's just again quite a light read of family saga so yeah I think with LGBTQI elements and immigration and and race and you know lots of little political things but not too heavy. That sounds good yeah yeah, I'm um, going to look Mm, at that Joseph what you've been reading?
1: I have been reading two very different books this week. Mm. One 600-page plus science fiction award winner and <gasps> one much shorter but no less brilliant 70s cult classic. Shall I tell you about them?
0: Yeah, I want to hear about the science fiction first please because I'm excited.
1: Good. So, the first is Children of Time by British science fiction writer Adrian Tchaikovsky. Have you heard of him? Yes,
0: I've, n- I've not
2: read is any he related of his stuff actual Tchaikovsky.
1: Different spelling. Well, no, Ah. no, the same spelling, Mm. but I don't think he's related. I did Wikipedia him, and he doesn't look like he's related. Well,
2: because obviously (laughs) of Cyrillic, it would be spelled differently anyway.
1: Yes, that's true. Okay, right. (laughs) Thanks, (laughs) resident (laughs) parent.
2: That's me. (laughs) That went over my head, but
0: continue.
1: (laughs) A mini education for you there, Saf. So this book follows the last remnants of the human race Mm -hmm. as they leave Earth to travel far across the galaxy to reach their new homeworld. However... When they arrive, it isn't the green and pleasant land they thought it would be. And that's because, unbeknown to them, an experiment with nanotechnology, thousands of years, you're both looking really captivated. Mm. I feel like I'm doing a movie trailer.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love it. I'm intrigued.
1: <laughs> an experiment with nanotechnology, basically thousands of years ago in the past, means the planet is now home to a civilization of, and I don't know if, whether I should say this because this might be a bit of an ick thing, but say it. to a civilization of super intelligent spiders.
2: Are they really big spiders though? Or they're tiny quite big. Spiders? Yeah, they're okay. a couple of feet long. What? Well, uh, I was going to go. What noise is the spiders? <laughs> make? But also, I was imagining nano spiders.
1: Oh no, the spiders. Mm. The nanotechnology has worked on the your spiders. common garden spider and turned it into something bigger and more intelligent. So,
2: are there other animals on this planet or just spiders?
1: There are other animals, but okay. it's the spiders it's specifically... reign supreme.
2: Oh, ah, interesting. And also, possibly. Scary for people with arachnophobia.
1: Yes, trigger warning, <laughs> arachnophobia. So I know the premise might sound like a bit of a bad B movie, but the book really surprised me. The author does such a brilliant job of balancing the viewpoints of both the human and the arachnid characters, taking us deep inside. Oh,
0: so we, we there are the, the spot. what's the word when you turn an animal into an anthropomorphic
1: yeah that yeah the, the word that i can never pronounce it is that word but you kind of take the spiders and their community kind of like on their own piece it's mm. not it's you don't think of them as humans they're definitely spiders it's a different way of doing things a different way of organizing relationships and society and democracy it's really fascinating Democracy. Um, democracy. Well, yeah, they have... They, they have ha-
2: eight legs when
1: they're voting. <laughs> there's a lot <laughs> of voter fraud in the world yeah, Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I should say it's also some of the best world building I've read in a long time.
2: Okay, this sounds cool.
1: So, yeah, I definitely recommend that book. Can I and borrow it's, it? It's part of a series as well. Yes, you can borrow it. So there's three books in the series. It won an award, uh, I think it was the Arthur C. Clarke Award back in 2016, and the series won the Nebula.
2: Oh, well, there you go. Yeah.
0: Does he... Because he's got several, right, books, the author? Tchaikovsky? Yes. Yes. Are they, and they're not connected. For some reason in my head, I, I thought it was like a yeah. um, a trilogy type. Well, not trilogy because that's just three, but a connected series.
1: So this book is the first in a Trilogy? So Children of Ruin, I think, is the second one. But you're right, he has got a lot more books. He's been writing for, for a long time. And I should say this book was recommended to me by someone who almost exclusively reads Austen and historical fiction. And she was blown away by it. So I had to take up that recommendation.
0: OK, so it's, it's a good one, even if you don't see yourself as a
2: science fiction.
1: Absolutely, hmm. yes. Yeah, absolutely.
2: As long as you are all right with giant spiders.
0: But even if you're not, do you not like being, I like being scared by a book sometimes, so I want to feel like a bit... Th-l-l-l-l.
2: I think it depends. Some people I know literally cannot be in the same yes, room yes, as a spider. Fair. Cannot fair. be in
1: this, on the same page as a spider, as yeah. a fictional spider, yeah. living its best life. Okay.
2: What is you- it I just go. think we should warn people.
1: <laughs> I think we should move on.
0: <laughs> what was the cult classic that the you read?
1: The cult classic is Speedboat by Renata Adler. Have you heard of this one? No. Okay. No. So it's somewhat of a cult book. It was published in 1976 and went out of print in the late 80s, only to be rediscovered again at the beginning of the century. And now it's, it's having somewhat of a, a moment critically. So the book follows the experiences of Jen Fain, a young female newspaper journalist and her coming of age in New York. It's meant to be largely autobiographical and based on Adler's own experiences of working at various publications at the time, including The New Yorker. And I would say it's a very witty, intelligent book. It's kind of like formed of lots of little vignettes, which are sort of like little shrewd observations of life, gender inequality, racism, what it was like to work in journalism at that time. And I mean, it definitely is very much a book of its time. But I think kind of like seventies, eighties New York is coming back. It's having a bit of moment in TV and fiction. Coco Mellors has written about New York in the modern day. So you know, I'm fascinated by that city and all of its cultural output. So I would definitely recommend it if you're a New Yorker file.
0: I lived there for a little while. Just oh, lucky oh. you! I love New York. Oh, too. top Trump. <laughs> yeah, I
1: just like reading about it. I've got a New Yorker <laughs> subscription, but you lived there.
0: Yes, for a for a little while. Amazing. It Wasn't wasn't necessarily the city for me. Quite a Quite a lot of social anxiety going on inside this little person, it's, and it's very busy. <laughs> I was going to say
2: it's very noisy. That was the one thing that I was like, "Whoa, it's just constant," um, you don't get any sense. I mean, they say that it's the city that never sleeps, but you never get that time where the traffic dies down.
0: No, and lots of like flashing lights. I don't do great with sensory, sensory stuff. So yeah, um, on reflection, on a little reflection. O- overstimulated. <laughs> it by yeah. was an
1: unwise move.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spent a lot of time in my apartment, but there we go. <laughs> Anyway, great. That sounds really good. (laughs) (laughs) And what have you been reading?
1: Yes, what have you been reading?
0: Okay, so I read Ordinary Human Failings by Megan Noling. Have either of you read it?
1: Loved the cover. Didn't get around to reading it. Just
0: holding it up for everybody to see. Yes. Okay. So this is, I think, Megan's second book. Her first book, I believe, was Acts of Desperation. This book has kind of been on my TBR pile for quite a while. Keep looking at it, thinking I must get round to reading it. Um, and I finally picked it up over Christmas. So this basically, it's set in 1990 in London, and it kind of goes between London and then a kind of town in Ireland. I'm going to just read you the synopsis, because Please. otherwise you're going to have to listen to me ramble. Okay. When we look beyond the headlines, everyone has a story to tell. It's 1990 in London and Tom Hargreaves has it all. A burgeoning career as a reporter, fierce ambition and a brisk disregard for the peasants. Ordinary people, his readers, easy tabloid fodder. His star looks set to rise when he stumbles across a scoop a dead child on a London estate, grieving parents loved across the neighbourhood, and the finger of suspicion pointing at one reclusive family of Irish immigrants and bad apples, the Greens. It goes on from there, but I think that gives you... That sounds amazing. ...something to work with. So you've got this family, and you've got this potential... You've got this crime, and then you've got suspicion, and it kind of is looking back at... I think it's set only over like 24 or 48 hours in this hotel but they go back they look kind of each of the family members looks back at their kind of upbringings and kind of poignant moments that that have kind of led them to to where they're at now um it was I loved it um someone I spoke to on Instagram said they found it very claustrophobic because it's over such a short amount of time mm, sure. and and because of all of the feelings that all of these characters are feeling but it, it's it's really good writing. It's really cleverly done. And it definitely got me kind of feeling some things. So okay. highly okay, recommend feeling that to my Feeling TBR. things. We like that. Mm. Feely things. I also read Chain Gang All Stars by Nana Kwame Ajay Brenya. Yes. I DNF'd
1: it. How many pages did you DNF it after? Because I've been talking to a lot of people about this book and they say they DNF'd it after, drumroll.
2: I DNF'd at <coughs> page 91. Yeah,
1: I'm getting 80 to 100. You
2: gave it a fair go. I think that's perfectly reasonable. I've not given up on it.
0: I might go back to it because I I really like the idea of it. But when I actually dived in, I I I I couldn't get into it. It felt it almost felt too cheesy and it and I and I don't want I don't like saying that because she, because the author is is dealing with really big subjects and, and trying to do this quite clever thing. Like I love the idea of it. We're, it's kind of looking at the prison system, the American prison system mm. or penal system, um, penal system, penile, Pen- Pen- penis, editor, <laughs> penal, penis. Editor, please. P E N A L. Yeah, that's the one I was trying can, to can say. Can we save
1: penile talk for good material? <laughs>
0: <laughs> the penal system, and it's dystopian and and it. It should have been up my street, but yes, I, I DNF'd, so there we go. Um, the last one that I want to talk about, that I read, was Shark Heart by Emily Herbeck. I like the way you do the little gasp every time.
1: Because I really want to read
0: it. And you can! <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to lend it to you. Aren't you lucky?
1: Great, thank you. You can take
0: it home with you today, Joseph. Thank you, um, I felt like you are
1: a game show <laughs> hostess.
0: <laughs> you could, this is what you could win today. This is what you could have won. <laughs> this book, so Shark Heart, a love story, is, as it says, a love story. It's about a guy who is unwell and he gets diagnosed as turning into a great white shark. Oh. And it's about how that affects him and his wife.
2: It's, his wife, I imagine, be quite worried.
0: Well, in, in this, <laughs> this world, inside this book, it's rare to, to turn into an animal, to, to have this kind of morphing going on, but it does happen. Um, so there's a few different characters who morph into different things but I just love the premise of it it's crazy but it's mm. so good um, like metamorphosis yes mm. yeah it, it really reminded me um the film lobster with colin farrell yes where if you don't mm. um it, it, find someone to love in the hotel you're going to turn into an animal
1: and everyone just accepts that as kind of their fate that's yeah. what I love I heard an interview with the author and she said she didn't want to try and explain away the main premise in the book she didn't want to take time with the the science so she just goes for it And that's what I love about it. It's really full throttle. It's a crazy idea and she just fronts it. It's
0: a crazy idea. It's well written and beautiful despite the crazy things that are going on what I think Emily's done really well is is built the world so that you believe it and you're busy just feeling for these characters this husband and wife and what they're experiencing read it so good. see, I'm
2: getting into the practicalities of it and just thinking no, about you're having over-thinking to get a tank it. and you know
0: you're overthinking <laughs> it things like that are covered but just just do it try not to have too many like preconceptions and just read it because it's crazy but Brilliant.
1: Well, I'm going to read it.
0: Perfect. Well, I might read it after you. Okay. And then we can compare.
1: Yes, let's do that.
0: Yes. Well, now we've chatted books, I think that, guys, we should dive into today's deep dive. Are you ready? We sure are. I am. So, today we are discussing Good Material by Dolly Alderton. The synopsis for those of you that might not have read this yet or need a little reminder. Every relationship has one beginning, this one has two endings. Andy loves Jen. Jen loved Andy, and he can't work out why she stopped. Now he is, one, without a home, two, waiting for his stand-up career to take off, three, wondering why everyone else around him seems to have grown up while he wasn't looking. Set adrift on the sea of heartbreak at a time when everything he thought he knew about women and flat sharing and his friendships has transformed beyond recognition, Andy clings to the idea of solving the puzzle of their broken relationship because if he can find the answer to that, then maybe Jen can find her way back to him. And he still has a lot to learn, not least his ex-girlfriend's side of the story.
2: (laughs) In the world. (laughs) (laughs) Had you guys heard of this book before I picked it? I had not.
1: I had not heard of the book. I'd heard of Dolly Alderton, though. Yes, me too. But mainly through The High Low, her zeitgeist-busting podcast that she used to... Present with Pandora Sykes.
0: Yeah, R.I.P. because I to
2: the podcast. They're <laughs> oh, both you're <yes. laughs> breaking news.
1: Sharp and take
2: breath. <laughs> they're both fine. Pandora
1: call us, let us know you're okay.
0: They're both they're both fine as far as I know. Um, RIP to the podcast itself, which is now of course over. But I loved that. I loved it for the book recommendations. I loved it.
1: It's fantastic.
0: So good. Um so not read Dolly's previous book? She's got two previous books, but didn't read either. Of the,
1: no. Was was her fiction debut "Ghosts." Yes, I got a lot of rave reviews from friends, but I didn't. I didn't get round to reading it. Hmm.
0: Okay, so Dolly Alderton is an award-winning and best-selling author, screenwriter, and journalist based in London. She is the author of two Sunday Times best-selling works of non-fiction. Everything I Know About Love 2018, which was a National Book Award for Autobiography of the Year and was made into a BBC One TV series, and Dear Dolly on Love, Life and Friendship 2022, Uh, a collection of her Agony Aunt columns from the Sunday Times Style magazine. She's also the author of two novels, Ghosts, which came out in 2022, and of course, Good Material, which was published in November 2023. She's also the co-creator and former co-host of the beloved podcast The High Low, which we mentioned. And yeah, I, I must just add that their book chat really was the inspiration for for doing this podcast. It's what got me dreaming of having a podcast where we could just talk about books. Heaven, and here we are. Um, so I believe, so her book, everything, the nonfiction, Everything I Know About Love, I think it sold 800,000 copies. Just a few copies then. That's a lot of so, books.
1: Yeah, <laughs> part-time writer then.
0: <laughs> I just thought that's quite an impressive career quite an impressive um biography you know like that that's she's done a lot that's a lot of books to, in a short space of time she's been a columnist a journalist she's done all kinds of things and I thought that was that was worth raising and discussing
1: it is it's amazing and I kind of feel like from having listened to the podcast she's done all that and she hasn't sold out at any point she's kept her integrity she's very raw she's very honest she writes a lot of auto-fiction from what i can make out i mean she talks about her experiences she talked about her experiences on the high low and she's just she's kind of like that wise best friend but she's i hate to use the phrase she's kind of turned into a bit of an industry or she's she's found a way of getting it to more people i kind of really respect her for that i think she's she's a really interesting character i definitely want to off the back of reading good material go back and explore ghosts
2: yes i'd like to read ghosts as well
1: And I hope she writes more fiction as well, but we'll get on to that, I'm sure.
2: So she's actually been called this
0: generation's Nora Ephron.
1: Mm, I've heard this. Would you? I mean, she's no longer with us, sadly, but she did set the gold standard for romantic comedies. She basically invented intelligent romantic comedies. And I think Dolly Alderton's work, well, good material, kind of reminds me of um, Dora. Nora Nora, (laughs) Nora Ephron. (laughs) Too many Doras and Doras. (laughs) reminds me of nora we haven't
2: ethron. got any doras just, got just any Doris. <laughs> dolly nora maybe you're just amalgamating them into one person
1: what well, exactly yeah. this is this is the career path that dolly needs to take i was going to say i think her writing very much uses romantic comedy as a springboard to talk about other life issues like grief you know loyalty in friendships um whether you're in the wrong relationship and whether you should get out of it and i think that's exactly what nora ethron did in all of his com- in all of her comedies uh, you've got mail is my
0: favorite. I'm not really a rom com girl, but I do love Nora Ephron and I love you've got mail um, because the bookshop and her apartment is incredible.
1: All of these shops and apartments that no one could really afford.
0: Yes, as as always with these types of films, like never explained how they could afford them, how they've got like a brownstone or whatever they they end up mm. living in.
1: Love it. <laughs> just love it. it's just
0: a part of the the show. But I actually put um in my
2: notes for the show today. I actually had pictures of. I have to, to, to say I then. haven't seen You've Got Mail because what? he like to shout at me <laughs> <laughs> I do not like Tom Hanks as a leading man in rom-coms I like Tom Hanks very much but I don't <gasps> like him as a leading man in rom-coms because I do not find him um sexy that's almost blasphemous not oh. really I feel that I yeah. think he's got I think it's because of, of big. Actually, he just until he's like come uh, older and started doing more character acting. He had that man boy thing for me, which I just don't find attractive, and so I just, I just no, just you not. Know. I want to challenge you to
0: watch. You've got mail, not for the the romantic element. I could take or leave that part of the storyline, to be honest. Just for the the, it's about bookshops and big chain shops mm. and well yeah for you that, know
2: you know this is based on another film called the shop around the corner which was also a play
0: no i didn't yeah. I, I did i know that the bookshop in you've got mail is the shop around the corner so
2: it she names it after the film and in the original film it's not a bookshop it's just a shop i can't remember what kind of shop it is but and i'm kind of trying to it's a black and white film and i'm trying to remember it might be Capra, but I might be making that up. Um, But it's, yeah, it's basically, and it's the um, shop girl um, at that time, which what she would have been called, and the new kind of manager, and they're writing each other letters, but they hate each other. So it's the same story.
1: Oh, Oh. so it's kind of like 84 84 Charing Cross Road kind of vibe. I missed all of that because I was caught up in the very believable... Romantic relationship between Tom Hanks, who is an alpha male lead, <laughs> and Meg Ryan, thank you very much.
2: I didn't say he wasn't alpha male. I just said I don't find him sexy. There's, um,
0: <laughs> there's some tension in the studio right now. I'm a movie I was along before I we like have, Tom uh, Hanks. Do. I just don't find him sexy. Sorry. He's he's not. But then I don't think most lead characters, apart from Matthew McConaughey.
1: Oh. I think he's relatable and I think that's what's important, isn't it?
0: Is he Tom Hanks? Is related? Okay, he's
1: a billionaire, Waterstones <laughs> bookshop owner. I mean, that's my circle of friends. So yeah, he's relatable. <laughs> Moving on.
2: Okay, um, I've been t- thoroughly told off for my my lacklustre <laughs> response to Tom Hanks. <laughs> I apologise. I think world. it's great.
1: We've all we've all got our views, and some of them are un- unacceptable.
2: <laughs> right, the book, the book characters. <laughs> Who
0: did you like? Who didn't you like? What? What did you think of the characters in Good Material?
1: I guess we've got to talk about Andy first. Yes. Because he's like, he's he's 80, 90% of the book, isn't he? Mm -hmm. So we're with him for a long time. I found him initially quite an infuriating character, especially when he was directing a lot of vitriol at Jen early on in the book. And I would go as far to say he was quite unlikable in those sections. Mm, I think so too. Yeah, because I just felt like the anger he felt entitled to demonstrate didn't really feel like... I'm going to use my legal training word, proportionate to what he had actually experienced. I couldn't I couldn't quite understand what she'd done that was so
2: I don't think bad. Jen, Jen doesn't cheat on him. She's not horrible to him. She just doesn't want to go out with him anymore. Yeah,
0: but have you never... I, I felt sorry for Andy. Like, I don't think his behaviour was acceptable. Like, I don't, I don't think that's what yeah. you should do, and I'm not okaying it. But any breakup I've been through, I've been fuming whether <laughs> whether whether I am the the dumper or the dumpee, I think it hurts either way if if you loved that person or felt connected to that person. And you are left with all this anger and you do want to direct it at people, like at the person and you want to be unreasonable and you want to kind of hurt them because they've hurt
1: yeah. You. He's in shock, isn't he? Yeah. And he doesn't know where to send all of this energy and it's kind of going back at Jen but she's not there. So yeah, no, I totally get that.
2: I found Andy frustrating because and I I very I'm team Jen in this scenario basically because I think that she behaved really well. She didn't do anything wrong and he his behavior was out of order but also I found him frustrating because even when they when he's recounting their relationship when they're together he's very passive and just kind of goes along with things and he doesn't ever he's a bit of a man child it's like he needs to grow up and maybe this breakup is actually the best thing that could happen to him because obviously when they do break up he has to go through he seems to spend an incredible amount of money on booze I'm never quite sure where he's getting it from but the booze um, or the money the money (laughs) (laughs) I know it's getting the booze from he details that um but yeah I mean I just I found him frustrating um and I I he yeah he needs to grow up and I think that them splitting up will in the end he'll look back on that and be glad that he did that she did what he she did because I think if they'd carried on together he would have never really made that next step into adulthood
0: yeah I think I yeah I would agree with that I think that's a good point
1: can we just rehabilitate Andy, though, a little bit? Because obviously the novel is is very much about him. And I, f- I found that later in the book, his fears about his ageing body made him more human even though those were kind of played for comic effect which didn't land quite right with me and mm. um, and I loved Andy's relationship with Morris his paranoid prepper landlord who has an unhealthy relationship yeah, like with liked him <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: I liked his relationship with Morris but I also then and I know it was a rebound thing but what I can't remember her name the much younger girl Sophie Sophie I think he didn't treat her very well.
1: He didn't, no. But I was just going to say about Morris. Morris started as kind of like a comic object Mm. for Andy of ridicule. But they developed a really lovely, tender relationship. And I kind of felt like, you know, Andy being abandoned by his father was really foregrounded in, in the book. And Morris felt like, in some respects... Uh, a stand-in father figure i found that really touching
2: i think oh sorry i was just gonna say as well what's interesting about the whole um male friendships is that when andy's desperately trying to kind of communicate with his male friends and obviously they're all at different life stages as well and they've all got their own stuff going on but it's that classic thing where men sort of say you know we We just go and watch football or we get drunk. We don't really talk. Mm. And it was interesting that he also then despised Jen for going to therapy and said that he couldn't see why she went to therapy because, as far as he could see, there was nothing wrong with her. But actually, and he just tried to go to therapy. (laughs) Yeah, but with the worst worst intentions. intentions. He's not going to therapy in any kind of open or honest way. But You know, that fact that he hasn't got anyone to talk to. So he has got all that rage at the beginning and that's so bottled up. And actually, you know, a a short course of therapy might have been done him the world of good. Yeah, I mean, as someone who's, oh God, what am I now, four or five
0: years deep in weekly therapy? I was like kind of cursing him at that point, being Mm. like, just give it a go. Go to therapy. You're literally crying out for someone to listen to you and take you, you seriously and, and validate your, your feelings, a therapist is going to do exactly. that for you. You're paying them to. <laughs>
1: exactly. But don't you feel like Andy, I'm not Team Andy, but I'm progressively sounding like I am Team Andy. <laughs> you love Andy. <laughs> I'm on commission for Andy. Don't you feel like he, he got a lot of kind of introspection about his own behaviour, his own bad behaviour with Jen through how he responded to his friend's breakup john who yes, separated yes. like two-thirds the way through the novel and there's these really touching moments where andy's is kind of his stream of consciousness saying i've got to find a way to communicate with him i know we're men i know we're meant to mediate everything through sports and farting and slapping each other on the back but i just want to have this proper conversation with him because i want to make sure he's okay because i wasn't okay yeah and i thought that was that was really great
2: and again i think that's it's again it's showing him maturing through the course of Absolutely.
1: the Absolutely,
0: yeah. Yeah, I, and I think it's... I, I think because we've, we've kind of ragged on Andy a bit and I think, you know, I, I think he's a flawed person, but then I think most of us are. And so for me, actually, I just found him quite relatable, not necessarily to me personally, but I, I kind of understood the situation. I saw where he needed to grow and where he needed yeah. more self-awareness mm. and, and I was glad he found some of that throughout the book. Um, but ultimately, I kind of felt like... He could be kind of lots of men of yes. that, that age in that situation. Um, and I liked the fact that things like when he wrote the letter to Morris. Yes, yes. that was very really um, sweet. Which was really beautiful. And it kind of just showed that he is a kind person. And, and that also he's that multifaceted. he was kind of
2: Yeah, and also that he was um, coming out of his fugue state and actually starting to think about other people and their feelings and their needs. And the fact that Morris was obviously had a pretty dismal life um and this was going to make his day and really you know it would make him feel validated in so many ways so Andy taking that trouble was was good
0: I'm going to go out on a limb just on a side note um and it is going to make me sound I already accept that I are you
1: already regretting it
0: I am the role of not as clever person in the Eh? (laughs) group in the group oh my gosh um Who's Julian Assange? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, do
2: you want to do Julian over to Assange? Michelle? Um, he, oh, uh, what was it called? Wiki, WikiLeaks. Oh, he's that
0: guy.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Cool. I mean, I could have googled go. this, but I did. <laughs> as you brought, as you brought up the letter, like we were talking about the letter and what have you, and Morris, and I remember reading it and thinking. Oh,
1: do you know think is, why are they putting boy band members in prison?
2: <laughs> I just presumed it was me.
1: Is he actually in, in the... prison,
2: or is he still in the embassy? I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. He's be... in prison now.
1: Okay. I'll produce James, James,
2: James with the fact. update. <laughs> 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 I didn't know if he because well obviously for a long time he was locked up in the mm. embassy and um and being. People saying, get him out. And other people saying, no, free speech. And again, it's a very... Actually, Julian Assange is kind of interesting in that way because obviously on one hand, he did lots of really good things, but on the other hand, he did some terrible things. So it's that grey character again. Yeah. We are all a little
0: bit good, a little bit bad. Some fall, obviously. We're all on
1: a journey. And I think that's the thing about Andy. Mm. He's relatable. He's on a journey.
0: Yes. Mm. Um, A character I'd also like to mention, just she's a tiny character, but Andy's mum I quite like. Oh, yes. Thought she was lovely.
1: Endless cups of tea and fags.
0: Yeah, she was just funny. (laughs) Maybe not the fags. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Different experiences. So, what did you think of the the story, the breakup story being from the man's perspective?
2: Well, I guess because I mean, I think there's that thing of if she wrote it from the woman's perspective, it might just feel like, oh, just another breakup book. Mm. Um, so by putting it in Andy's voice to begin with, at least initially. Um, and also I think it's that idea of he said, she said as well, you know, both Jen and Andy have different view- very different views about how they feel their relationship went and worked. And Andy's, you know, and it's a classic thing. A lot of men I know, a lot of women know, they know say that their partners just, say, they're really surprised when they say I've had enough of this and they're like, but I thought everything was fine. And it is that a, kind of a, almost, learned obliviousness that if if you're not rowing on a daily basis then that means everything's fine but obviously it wasn't fine there was stuff going on the whole time and Andy was able to ignore that but i think showing that from his perspective is interesting
1: yeah absolutely i mean i would second what michelle's just said i thought it was heartbreaking especially watching andy not read the signs of his failing relationship and um, but also not having the language to communicate what is happening to him afterwards Mm. and what his needs were. And just an interesting point, actually, because we did mention Andy's mum. I kind of felt like throughout most of the novel, it felt as if Andy's emotional kind of heavy lifting, Andy's emotional work was being outsourced to female characters. Mm. Like his mum, his mum's friend. Do you remember that kind of little vignette where she comes up and says, how are you doing? You know, you need to build yourself back up again. And also his his best friend's wife, who who does a lot of kind of free therapy for him. Plus it was I kind of it was interesting cuz I was I was reading this with a bit of criticism in my head which I'd read about the book previously which was Dolly Alderton can't write good central male characters you could easily say Andy was you know a woman as much as he was a man which I'm I'm not I mean I've I've got some issues with the way she depicts contemporary masculinity but I think she gets a lot of it down Pat and she does it in a very kind of respectful and touching way.
0: Yes. And I think ultimately, like that argument, because uh, but most humans could be, like when I'm, I'm thinking of characters, and there's loads of characters that could, unless they are painted as a particularly um, masculine character, and I say masculine in society's kind of traditional definition of masculine or particularly feminine, then most characters could be. A man or a woman. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. saying that like, yes. oh, this could be could be a woman. Well, I think, yes, lots of good characters I've read could be because we're human and we have tons of similarities. Like,
2: yeah, yes. yeah, completely. I, I think, you know, as human beings, we have more in common than that, that divides us. Yeah,
0: so I don't know that, that, make, that, that I would see that as mm. like being like, oh, you're not a good writer. Um, I did read uh, an interview of Dolly Alderton. I think it was perhaps like the Sunday Times or one of the kind of um, weekend magazines. Um, that the that the male perspective had to do with the fact that Dolly was worried that everyone would think it was her actual life if she did a female main character. And I I thought of this again um, when you mentioned about like autofiction. Yeah. A lot of people presume, and I think this happens a lot to women, but doesn't necessarily seem to happen as much to male writers. That if they write, if a woman writes about something like heartbreak or whatever, it's seen as like, oh, well, this must be she must be writing about herself, which is lazy. Um, thinking on the part of critics, yeah, and um, I just find that I find that whole thought pattern quite—it's
2: quite demeaning, really, yeah, to women. Completely. Like that, what they we can't, can't imagine things; they can yeah, only write, write what they know. We, and and, yeah. and and also, imagine how dismissive that is. Like you, you can only write what you know. I know people say write what you know, but then there'd be no science fiction, there'd be no fantasy, there'd be no historical. You mm. know, we'd be we'd just be literally writing a kind of journal i think it's kind of <laughs> dear diary
1: just just the numbers game as well i mean contemporary uh novelists nowadays are three to one women so we're going to get a lot of amazing books over the next couple of decades and they're going to have male characters at their core and they're going to be written by women i mean it's i kind of just feel like it's a non a non-conversation
2: mm. well that <laughs> just to kill that conversation but <laughs> oh, yeah. what <with> well, <laughs> I was actually careful. going to say as well is that what's happening which I think is quite interesting um, especially with a lot of adaptations um, of books to, to uh, especially older books is that um, hero characters are now being cast as women and it really quite often makes absolutely no difference I mean I'm thinking of Foundation the Isaac Asimov series and the main character yeah. in that is a man in the books
1: gender gender blind
2: yeah and a woman but i mean obviously in the in the tv show she's a mother so that does affect things but it doesn't it doesn't mean she's not strong capable good at maths all the things that the character was originally Mm.
1: Mm. can i just flag one thing that i was really pleased about with this book you know a woman writing a book about a man as the central character with a group of male friends i think from experience, from, from reading books from many decades ago, I think a lot of women writers see male friendship groups as quite hierarchical and um, containing a lot of casual cruelty. And for me anyway, this just isn't true in in reality. I think there's a lot of... It's, male friendship groups are quite a supportive environment. I should imagine like female friendship groups or mixed friendship groups. And I think Dolly gets that right and it's really great to see that in fiction.
2: I think she does bring in the hierarchical cruelty with the comedians.
1: Well, this is yeah, and are we talking about Emery? Yeah, yeah. Am I? Is it like an Emery board? Am I pronouncing his name correctly? (laughs) I think so. Okay. So I I kind of felt like he was more of a plot point than a fully fledged character. He was there to show that Andy wasn't having a good time with his career.
2: Yeah, but I mean, even with not just with him, but with the others, and then there's like the young ones coming up who are looking at the you know, and then there's the the one who had the massive TV show in the seventies, but still. Top's the bill, and and Andy's very much the kind of ugh. We need to fill a slot, comedian.
1: Okay, yeah, no, I got that definitely. What about Seb, Jen's beau?
2: I didn't really think he ever was fleshed out. Yeah, he was a bit of a non. He was a cipher to make Andy jealous.
0: Yeah, he could have been anything. I do want to say off the back of of what you've just said, Joseph, because I what I thought was good. And a strength of the book, which I'd kind of like to move us on to, to talk mm. about what our strengths were, um, and it leads quite nicely off the back of what you said, because a strength for me was the fact that she did research this book. She spoke to lots of men, she spoke to all different all different people, and, and she was talking to men about their friendship groups, breakups. She was talking to women about their impressions of it. She did a lot of research to to plan
2: out and flesh out this book, which I thought was good. Yeah always like to see a bit of research 100 percent. yeah and also then hopefully you you feel that those conversations that andy's having with his mates are real and you know yeah grounded in something
0: Mm, definitely definitely any Uh, other strengths
1: yeah my plus points were i thought it was very funny throughout it wasn't a, um, a tedious read you know great pacing and brilliant sparkling dialogue love the dialogue i think she just has a fantastic ear for how different groups and different ages of people speak And I I really liked that the book showed the impact of the breakup wasn't just confined to the couple, but it affected a whole community. Mm. That was really interesting. And just kind of related to something we've been talking about throughout this conversation is I was really pleased there wasn't a false kind of women are from Venus, men are from Mars binary at the heart of this novel. It was much more nuanced. And given that this is the first Dolly Alderton book I've read, I will probably definitely go back and read Ghosts.
2: I really like the fact that Jen gets to have her little say at the end. I also really like the fact that in the end, Jen's conclusion, and, you know, we don't know because obviously the story's not over in a way, mm. but um, that Jen breaks that. She's not leaving Andy for another man. She's not leaving Andy. She, doesn't, she just knows this relationship isn't working for her and she's not going to do it anymore. And I think that subverts that whole rom-com trope, because there's usually that thing of like, oh, well, I broke up with them because it wasn't right. But then six months later, here I am in my new perfect relationship. I really found that refreshing that Jen just goes off and is going to do her own thing. I did. I love the fact that Covid's just starting because obviously then you're just kind of going, what's going to happen next? Is Jen going to be stuck in South America? I like the fact that it it does subvert those romantic comedy kind of chick lit. Vibes and also, I like the fact as you've said, it was Joseph, it was funny, it's well written, and it's easy to read. There's grief, there's heartbreak, but it's not a slog.
1: No, absolutely not.
2: No,
0: I, I really liked the book. Um, I thought it was easy to read. And I don't mean that as an insult, because mm. I think sometimes can, people can use it as a bit of a sort of backhanded mm. compliment. I mean that in the best possible way. Um, I found it really, really readable. I started at about 6pm on a Tuesday and I, I read it right through till I finished it at about midnight. Mm because i was enjoying it i was having a good time i was just kind of you know making myself hot drinks and turning another page it was a lovely book to dive into as you said joseph well paced loved it really loved it any weaknesses don't want to be too negative but anything i i
1: I mean we've we've touched on jen's section at the end (gasps) more jen more jen I i want a sequel yes with jen as the main character
2: more Jen for sure, definitely. I'd definitely teen mm, Jen, as I said. But
1: I don't want to read about her in South America dealing with COVID. I want, <laughs> I want Jen to have had the Jen foresight to get a locked, plane back.
2: Jen locked in an apartment. I skyping her friends. I'd read it. I yeah.
0: I I kind of would have liked if Jen's bit was a little bit longer. Yes. I think we could have that could have worked to have a little yeah. bit more Jen. But that being said, I don't think it. I, I'm not, I wouldn't mark this down in any way because it didn't have that. Um, I still thought it was a really good book. That's
2: just kind of me. And I way. thought having Jen's perspective, I just, I really felt that helped. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't think the book would have yeah. worked if we hadn't. If okay. it had just been Andy Monathon, then that would have not been as, as insightful and clever a book as it was. Completely Agreed. agree.
0: Agreed. Okay. So what are we going to rate it? Where does everybody land?
2: I'm going to say four and a half
1: oh did not expect that no. why just did not did,
2: yeah. <laughs> no i just enjoyed it It was it like i said it was it it it's funny it's light it's easy to read and you know it's dealing with and it deals with subjects i mean breakups and and women going fuck this shit mm-hmm. um i'm going to go and, and live my best life on my own is a subject very close to my heart so i'm jen go jen
1: amen <laughs> i'd give it a four i really enjoyed it it's a strong four for me what about you saf
0: okay um i want to caveat by saying this when i rate a book i am there's almost two ratings there's the there's rating the book as a standalone book in terms of how it was written what i thought of the story everything that we just discussed but then there's also my personal rating and then that factors in how I can how much I liked this book in comparison to all of the other books out there that I've read. So the book as a standalone, I'd probably give it four stars. Yeah. But on my kind of taking into consideration all of the other books, I'd probably only give it like 3.5, but purely because there's so many other books that I love more. Like I thought this was really good, but it's not I don't know if it's going to stay with me.
1: That's really interesting. Okay. So do you mean like all of the other books that treat a similar subject or in a similar just genre? just
0: every book. Just, just, yeah, other books mm. in terms of, of where it
2: factors in in my favourites. So you've got like a bell curve kind of thing of all the books, not a bell curve, but you're, you're marking it on a continuum.
0: Yes, yeah. It's yeah. kind of like, okay, how does... Because I one of the things when I write a book is like, is this going to stay with me? Am I going to be raving about it? In a year, two years' time, when I've read another load of books, or am I going to kind of forgotten about it? And I feel like I'm kind of going to have forgotten about it.
1: This is really interesting because we're we're kind of just like throwing star ratings out there. Yes. Obviously, we're thinking about them, but it's really good to get some kind of like get under the bonnet to understand where well, I they're think coming if, from.
2: If we were doing, if in a similar vein, I'd say four and a half as a standalone read, but in the vast pantheon of books, probably a three. Mm interesting joseph
0: would that would you have two different or would it be four <laughs> it's way too
1: complicated for me i mean <laughs> okay. i'll compliment you on it but i yeah four it's just the four the number four <laughs> just, okay just back
0: on. <laughs> well we are now at that part of the show where we try to help one of our listeners find their next must read book are we ready yes we are we are our request today comes from amy
1: hey novel
2: thoughts i hope you can help I am looking for what can feel like the unicorn of books, a humorous or uplifting book that isn't a bit naff or too fluffy, something where I don't feel dumber for having read it, but also doesn't result in an existential crisis. I just want to escape a little bit or have a rest from the state of global affairs. But please, something other than Bill
1: Bryson.
0: Okay, so uh joseph i'm gonna throw this to you first what are your recommendations for amy
1: i am going to recommend anything by elizabeth strout who i think is a fantastic storyteller very emotionally engaged and thought-provoking but definitely not a writer who's going to engender an existential crisis um and i would start with olive kitteridge which is a big bookshop fave It's a novel, but it's almost structured like a short story collection in that it features 13 stories in which Olive is sometimes the lead character and sometimes playing a supporting role. All the stories are set in the fictional coastal town of Crosby in Maine, and they follow Olive's often comically abrupt encounters with her fellow townspeople. You're nodding, Saf. Have you read this book?
0: No, I just like really like the sound of it. Mm. And I think it, it fits well with what Amy's asked for
1: give it a go. And Amy, please give it a go. And if you like it, the good news is there's lots more books in the series.
2: Perfect.
0: Michelle, what are you okay, recommending? so
2: I completely messed this up because I just saw Fun Read. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that the, it needed to be humorous. Okay. So the Fun Read that I'd picked is a thriller <laughs> called The Skeleton Key. And it is a fun read. It's a big book that you can do proper dive into and it's it's again it's an easy read in it it, and it it's very entertaining but it's not humorous so the skeleton key by erin kelly is a sort of mystery but it's quite it has got dark elements so i would say not that but if you want something that's light and escapist i would say read the mara Ma Ramotswe books by Alexander McCall Smith they're very gentle humor it's not like rolling around on the floor laugh out loud comedy but they're set in Botswana so if you've never been to Botswana then they're taking you out of the world you know and into a very different world and they are gentle again mysteries but they're that's not really the point of them they are more about community and life in Botswana and I think that you might find those and there's loads of them as well so if you do like them then you've got a whole load to do a dive into the other thing I would say is actually read Dolly Alderson based on this book um it's light easy and funny yeah nice
0: so my recommendations for you Amy um firstly The Dog of the North by Elizabeth McKenzie great title it was shortlisted for the Women's Prize for Fiction uh, in 2023. It's been described as a book that lifts the spirits as well as darkly absurd and slyly insightful. Um, I was set a proof of this and I adored it. It definitely made me feel good reading it and it didn't feel at all twee. There was, there's enough going on in it that it, although it's light hearted uh, and it's not going to kind of bum you out too much, <laughs> it's still got enough going on to hold you hold your interest to keep you turning the page. So really recommend that one. I'd also recommend Romantic Comedy by Curtis Sittenfeld. Yes. Um so a contemporary rom-com featuring a female comedy writer on something similar to Saturday Night Live and a famous male pop singer. It is a you, you kind of average rom-com, but it's it's quite clever. It's as I say it's contemporary and, and I definitely uplifting Um, and then lastly I'd recommend oh no actually I might add to this okay so what originally was going to be my last one was Where'd You Go Bernadette by Maria Semple Um, a bit of an older book but it's brilliant Uh, it's a woman looking for her daughter which sounds not very uplifting but it it really is it's it will make you chuckle it will you'll like it you'll have a smile on your face Um, so definitely give that a go but then I must add The Satsuma Complex by Bob Mortimer I recommend listening to the audio book uh, which Bob himself narrates. Oh, fantastic. And that will have you laughing out loud.
1: And it's won quite a few awards, hasn't it? Yeah. It's debut re- and it's meant a- to be brilliant. What, what is really
0: a satsema t- complex? I c- <laughs> I'm not sure if I can answer that without... Without spoiling it. It's yes. like shark okay. tooth.
1: You turn into a hermetically sealed citrus fruit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that, nailed it. How did you guess? Thank you. <laughs> it might be that he has a complex about satsumas it go in, can't go into shops um, at christmas spoiler it's
0: not okay. either of those things <laughs> but you should give it a go Amy it's it's hilarious and it's also heartwarming so definitely give that a go um, and give us some feedback let us know if you read any yes. of these books yes please give um, us feedback that's always good to know what you think of our recommendations whether you loved any of them um, yeah that would be really lovely to know so that is just about the end of the show join us next week when we'll be discussing short books to start your year as well as more book and culture chat
1: as always links to everything we've been talking about today will be in the show notes please feel free to like and subscribe to the pod tell a friend or leave us a review it all helps if you're looking for your next great read and you'd like to be part of the show send us your recommendation request to ntpramsgate at gmail.com and don't forget to follow us on instagram and tiktok at novelthoughts_pod. thoughts underscore pod
0: bye bye, bye.